If you're going to see the Masters, you must bring them a piece of the Eternal Flame. This fire is the very first one. It was given to man by the dragons. We have kept it going for thousands of years. I don't believe it. You will each take a piece of it to the Masters to show your commitment to the sacred art of firebending. Um, Mr. Sunchief, sir? Yeah, I'm not a firebender yet. Couldn't my friends here carry my fire for me? No. This ritual illustrates the essence of Sun Warrior philosophy. You must maintain a constant heat. The flame will go out if you make it too small. Make it too big, and you might lose control. I'm sorry. I'm just a little nervous. It's like a little heartbeat. Fire is life, not just destruction. You will take your flames up there. The Cave of the Masters is beneath that rock. Welcome back to the Vinegar's Podcast. I'm Sam Stanish. Uh, we are here. Oh, we are a. We are here. We are a queer Avatar: The Last Airbender Superman podcast, uh, and we are here today to discuss the Firebending Masters, Book Three, Chapter Thirteen or Twelve. Maybe I don't remember. Um, but anyway, with me, I'm Sam Stanish. Uh, with me, as always, is the Dragon of the Midwest. They're grinding. <laughs> yep, that's me. Uh, yeah, the process to earn that title is uh, you just have to like um, go down to like a Casey's General Store and like defeat whatever dragon you find there. <laughs> I love it. And mm-hmm. we are joined by a hilarious friend of the pod. You've heard of her before. Uh, she's a master jerk bender, Alex Conti. <laughs> Hi! That <laughs> intro cracked me up. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. You know, a lot of thought goes into that, and it's definitely not just the first two things that I thought. I mean, those, that's a lot of thoughts, two thoughts. Two thoughts is a lot of thoughts, especially on a Thursday. Yeah, yeah. 7 p.m. on a Thursday, I'm good if I'm averaging 0.5 thoughts. Correct. Well, we've got three thoughts right here. Ooh! Ooh! <laughs> hey! <laughs> Um, this was a pretty thoughty episode, I would say, honestly, if we're being quite honest. Um, not just because it feels like it's the second episode to involve male impotence of the season. Um, maybe that's just me, though. What was the first? Sokka's master. Oh, because he couldn't, okay, yeah, couldn't, Mm -hmm. he's feeling bad about himself, for sure. Okay, that's just like right off the bat. Like I just I felt like Saga was being overly mean for no reason, and I really didn't understand what the jerk bending of it all. I was just kind of like, "Well, this seems rude." <laughs> Not really making a joke so much as insulting your dear friends or friend. Yeah, being actively antagonistic, poking people, um, coming up with lewd words for firebending. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, not even funny. I don't understand what was going through his head. Normally, he's on it, you know? That's what I'm saying. Like, and I can understand being mean to Zuko uh, based on all of their past history together, but it just didn't feel right for Aang to be caught in that crossfire. Especially since the last episode, he was like, you're going to have to learn firebending, and then as soon as he starts learning firebending, he starts making fun of it. Like, come on. Yeah, it feels very much like, you know, Sokka was in that very low place before, and now that he's up on top, he feels free to just, like, let him fly, and with no regard or empathy for other people. I didn't know this up until this episode, and I wish I had found this out before today, but on the Avatar wiki, they have listed every single Avatar Extra pop-up that comes up. And for people who might not know, um, Avatar Extras, I, they might be a DVD feature, but they also aired on Nicktoons. And it's just like little like bonus trivia or like bonus jokes about the episode that pop up on screen. Uh, and I was laughing just reading those t- along with the episode today. It was, I wish that I had been doing it this whole time. <laughs> what were some highlights? Well, I posted it on Twitter, but uh, it, it was just like, <laughs> 
peak soccer comedy moment here when they were talking about uh, jerk bet. <laughs> Who wrote that? Because they're wrong. It's definitely not peak soccer. I know. I think that it was in jest because uh, like they get a little sarcastic in the Avatar oh. extras. It's sort of mm. a knowing joke about it. I guess since I didn't know about the joke, I'm sort of left out, but I am addicted to like DVD commentary, like little yes. tidbits. I think I wish I would have known because I would have like bootlegged a version where they pop up while watching it. Yeah, I think Derek and I have talked about this on the show before, but it's just sort of like the the episode or DVD commentary as an idea has fallen away from society, and I don't like that at all. Yeah, I used it's... to like yeah, I used to like base my personality on like um dvd commentaries because i'd be like oh i like know things about like invaders and that other people do not know about <laughs> and <laughs> are not jealous about you know yeah. <laughs> sounds like we uh, took parallel paths in life mine is with avatar though <laughs> and also heroes i think probably for sure mm -hmm. heroes was huge and also like game of thrones the office buffy the vampire slayer it's just like i think the, i feel like like maybe people are rewatching stuff less these days so they aren't going back as many times as they need extra bonus content on top of the stuff um but i do wish that it was still existent right yeah back in the olden days when it was like you got dvds and then that was your entertainment for the next six months until you could yeah. <laughs> gather up the f your uh kin folk and get into the wagon and make your way to the nearest town <laughs> yeah and also like i guess there are probably just more outlets for the creators and writers to do interviews about the stuff so i guess they're just available in different contexts but i love a dvd commentary oh derek maybe we should record an episode where we do episode commentary. We could record over the <laughs> Avatar movie. We could do we could oh. record ourselves watching the movie together and then release the audio track of us watching the movie. Okay, that is an excellent idea. Let's actually do that. Yeah, you Brain genius that. over here. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure whatever horrifying commentary there is for the actual movie is will pale in comparison to what we've got coming down the pipeline. Wow. That's an exciting idea. Okay, and that was that was not a whitewashing <laughs> joke. The pale part, mm, but it worked. <laughs> but it is now. It is. Conte, what so, did you think about this episode? Did you love? Did you hate? Did you neutral? I loved it. You, you know, you asked me pretty early on in season three, recording like what episode I wanted to cover, and I was like. Let me get to the back half. Let me get to the Zuko-centered episodes. Like, he is my favorite. I didn't get him in season one, um, which was Not fine. In the episode that you were selected for? No, which was fine, honestly, because he's got, like, the, the shaved head. So, like, I don't need to be involved with that. But when you've got this, like, shaggy, like, anime, like, emo boy cut, I'm like, this is the Zuko I'm invested in. And... It's the start of something really good that I'll save for the spoiler part, but I really like the episode and I loved the dragons. Um, they're so cool. Like I was watching it on my lunch today. I was like, dang, this episode is cool. <laughs> it is very cool. Yeah. Ponytail Zuko is kind of like we've seen uh, pictures of like your significant other before you dated them. <laughs> it's like, oh, True. Oof. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, this episode is really cool. They introduce a lot of cool new ideas, like the Sun Warriors, uh, who have like some Indiana Jones style contraptions they have set up. Just Plus, like, which... they are making rude jokes on the level of Sokka at the beginning of this episode. Like that secondhand man guy is like, you're going to die. And laughing about it. <laughs> but he's not joking. The, the Sun Warrior like leader had i laughed out loud at the end where he was like and now you have to stay here forever <laughs> just kidding but don't tell anyone i was like That's my good. favorite part about that joke is that the very next line is ang and zuko talking about what they did in <laughs> full detail to other people to a group of people not just their tight in group but also these three randos who have tagged along <laughs> <laughs> like is the duke are we really going to trust the duke to not say something to someone about dragons no, that's the most interesting part of their lives is that they get to hang out with the Avatar and the Avatar crew. Like, exactly. 
If they were on TikTok, they would be like part of their bio would be like friend of the avatar. <laughs> they would, yeah, they would constantly be posting Instagrams from this like four day period that they were together. Uh, just be like, I know the I know him. <laughs> Take me back. TBT, <laughs> my time with the people who saved the world. Uh, but. What was I gonna, oh yeah, well this episode, you said it introduced a bunch of cool concepts, like, I was, I, cause like they introduced the idea that dragons don't exist anymore, and that they do exist in the <laughs> same episode. Right. <laughs> I, and like, obviously, I guess it had been like present in the world, like obviously we knew that dragons did exist at one point and we hadn't seen one yet, but it was funny to me to be like, well, they're all extinct, actually they're not. <laughs> yeah, oh, 10 minutes later, that's fine though. Um, I did really like the line where, um, Aang was like, your uncle's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought he was like, good, but he lied. Oh yeah. my god, one of the Avatar extras was like, literally just like, Iroh became a different man after his son was killed. <laughs> oh no. I can hear the little bloop noise yeah, as exactly. it pops onto the screen. <laughs> it's a little bit of text to uh, add some context. And it's just like, one of the we most know. horrific parts yeah. of the entire show. <laughs> we know this. I discovered the Avatar Extras list on the wiki because I wanted to know what the weird fucking creatures are that they had licking them off. I don't know if they said it in dialogue, but I didn't hear it if they did. And I was just like, what is that? Like, it looks like an anteater, but what is it, like, all about? And it was an anteater sloth. Um, uh, okay. I was like, was, those are anteater people because they look <laughs> like people. Yeah, it looked like a, just a little mask that what, like some of the Sun Warriors were wearing, but it turned out to be. not be... Honestly, I put on a mask and lick off the goof. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Who can blame them? Who, like, what else did the Sun Warriors have going on, honestly? Yeah, I'm confused about them. <laughs> what have they been up to? What's, uh, <laughs> what's their tea? <laughs> what's up? Why are they hiding the secret of firebending? <laughs> like, you would think that they would want people to know about the origins. They're trying to protect, because the dragons were being murdered. Like, they don't want True. people to come and murder the last two. They don't firebend with hate, which is, like, their thing. And, you know, we're in the world where all firebenders firebend with hate, which reminds me of at the end of the episode where Zuko's like, wow, you know, my firebending used to come from me chasing you and hating you, but now it's gonna come from me trying to get revenge on my father. And it's like, that's <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> and it's like, what are you gonna do once that happens? Like, are you gonna have to come back and find a new path? A new person to try to burn with your fire. <laughs> and it. I know this would have been a little gay, but what if, I, I guess I just expected for Zuko's firebending to change color. Like, I know that this wasn't the first time I was watching the episode, but I had the thought when I was watching today where I was just sort of like, oh, like, I mean, they have this moment where they're in this spiral of multicolored rainbow light. And I was just kind of thinking like, Azula's fire is blue. Like, what if this affected a hit, like something about his fire, but it didn't happen. What color would you want it to be? Like, a, just even, like, a different, like, a more intense red or orange or something. I don't know. I was kind of, I liked the greens they were using in the fire spiral, or the purples even. But then it's sort of like, that would just be weird, I guess. His whole thing is that he's red. <laughs> so I'm just sort of like, if they could just have made it a little different. But I don't think it was different at all. Yeah. I did like that, though. Um, the, that's kind of like a connection. They don't really bring it up, but, like, this idea of, for a long time, Azula's like differently colored fire is supposed to really represent how, like her cruelty in a lot of ways. Like she's so focused on like enacting violence on people that it's like her fire becomes more intense in color. Um, and so the firebend, like the dragons showing, like there's so much more to firebending in terms of, like it beyond the cruelty. So that's what all those different colors are representing is this idea that fire can be a lot of different things. Um, and I do also like that this episode is like kind of refuting what we learned from Zhang Zhang, who was like the only other good quote unquote good firebender we'd met before was someone who like hated his own element, thought it was like all about destruction. And then like Aang's true master here, which is Zuko is learning along with Aang that that's also not true. It's not about destruction. It's about life. It's like a little heartbeat. <laughs> it's such a cute little moment. The opposite of war isn't peace, it's creation, to quote Rent. La vie bohème. 
<laughs> Bisexuals, trisexuals, they'll try anything once. Uh, <laughs> bouncing around with the references. Um, and I also really liked in that scene where they're doing the dance again gay sort of like a theme of this episode uh when that when zuko was doing it like he was um some just juxtaposed with the red dragon following along with emotions and like to go back to the visions he was having in the past of a red and a blue dragon iroh was the red dragon and i like that they didn't have him like symbolically the same as the blue dragon in this and that they picked the red one for that part yeah, I, I just, like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought they did it because like um, Zuko has the red on his face and Aang has the blue on his that's head. Too. That's probably part of it as well. <laughs> right. I do also like that the we got to see that shot of Zuko facing the blue dragon one last time, which Azula is yeah. like that blue dragon. Um, so Ooh. good mm. stuff. Plus they make a cute little heart when they land. Very homosexual. Yeah. And I'm pretty like, okay, here's my question. Are the two dragons dudes and is the egg their child? Yes, definitively. <laughs> I don't, I'm confused about that egg because like Zuko took it and then they got slimed. But then the first thing the Sun Warriors said was like, why are you here to steal our sunstone? And it's like, they had the egg. They didn't have the sunstone. Yeah, True. they were a little confused, I think. Um, or unless like they use sunstone to refer to both, which is also very confusing. Um, but, like, uh, maybe they were just trying to be like, that's not an egg. We don't have a dragon egg. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you were clearly going for that, like, <laughs> plastic, probably plastic crystal that's up in that little plinth up there. I you know, the, the thing that you left a while ago and um, was nowhere near? Nothing you could have easily accessed from outside. Uh, <laughs> I did like that moment because when Zuko, like, bends down and does his sword thing to, like, shine it up at the stone it's on the stone for like one second before ang is like it's not working <laughs> came up right away as soon as it wasn't he was like we have to find something else <laughs> yeah uh but fortunately they get in and then they get to learn the fusion dance from dragon ball which is fun good for precisely them. my thought and then they immediately memorized that dance because when they're on the hill and they're like, we have to do the dance it's like how do you remember the dance you did it once <laughs> yesterday like maybe like eight hours ago they did this dance and they remember yeah. good for them though honestly i guess it probably comes from their like martial arts training where they like it's sort of like i feel like it's like cheerleading where you like you do a routine and then you learn like mm -hmm. you like you're able to do it pretty well later and i guess the dragons were sort of like 10 out of 10 9 out of 10 you did it they're like yeah. good enough yeah they're like this isn't a democracy it's cheerocracy <laughs> i assume that's what they said in dragon I think that the dragon should have said, you think this is hard? Try waterboarding. That's hard. <laughs> the first line to be, ever be spoken in glee. Oh, my. <laughs> um, I do also, I like, I, we talked about like Zhang Zhang before, but I do also like that there, there's these like little callbacks to like Aang's other masters here. Um, like Zuko in at certain points in this episode is using like positive reinforcement, which is like something we learned back when Toph was training Aang. That that's how Katara teaches Aang is so um it's cute that Zuko like immediately picks up on the state idea of like complimenting Aang as the way to get him to get his little butt up that hill. Especially if I was, when... yeah. If Zuko was training me, it would be like he the opposite. Like the way to get my butt up the hill is for him to be like, come on, fatty, and I'd be like <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's also because like I mean the like Aang's issues with firebending aren't coming from like a difference of his personality or like where his culture is coming from. It's from like a traumatic moment that happened in the past. Like, I feel like it's not as deeply ingrained in him as like the earthbending issues were where he was like, had a completely different frame of reference and like his mind was in a completely different place from where earthbending is supposed to happen. But with this, it's like, it's like it's drawing back like memories of a bad moment but not like his entire life built around it right um yeah i do love that little moment when ang like sh first shoots off that like fireball there's like a slow-mo shot and it's like i assume like intentionally echoing that moment way back in season one when ang burns katara Ooh. there's like a slow motion shot of him like surrounded by these like cinders as the fire hits katara so I, and he's like smiling in this one which is really adorable it's cute
Yeah, good. And I do like this episode because it's reframing the idea of fire, not just for the characters, but for us too, because we've also been in Sokka's position throughout this whole show being like, fire is bad, evil. Fire bad tree pretty <laughs> too you know, make another quote, but uh, it's just like, we did need to relearn about fire because our hero is going to be using the bad thing. Exactly. It's a good way to put it. It's like, <laughs> we have to show guns can be good sometimes or something. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's what they're saying here. Yeah. Guns could and they good. tricked all of us. We we're all like, yep. okay, guns could be good. Yeah, <laughs> as long as they're you're shooting with life in mind, with the power mm -hmm. of the sun behind you. Yeah, and I did like that we got a bit more about Iroh. I I feel like they do this in this show, and I don't know how I feel about it, but I feel like we get backstory for characters when those characters aren't around sometimes, and it's just make it's weird to me being just like. <laughs> We know him too, or whatever. But, it, but I just wish, and like without ever even seeing a flashback to it, or well, to actually, it happened in the Zhang Zhang episodes where we learned about Zhao's history, and then also when we get to the library, that happens again, and it's just sort of like, I guess this, I guess it's sort of just like a living, breathing world. But I'm also like, wouldn't this be more interesting if it was centered on Iroh somehow? But I don't know. Yeah, and it's not like they have to live within the confines of like, oh, we actually just couldn't get um, Iroh that day for filming, so we couldn't film a flashback scene. It's like, draw him. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, this is a cartoon. <laughs> I thought this was a documentary. Yeah, I guess they don't want, they want us to not see him at all until, or since he escaped from the prison, um, probably, so... I guess that's well, no, because we just saw him in a flashback last episode. So right. I think maybe doing? it's just like we want this to be a Zuko Ang moment, um, mm -hmm. which I love. Like, um, I for whatever reason this like has never really stuck out to me before. But this viewing, especially, I was like, I Zuko's dynamic is so unique in the group, and it like you instantly are like, I'm glad this person is here. Like he brings like such a different kind of energy. It's very like kind of I don't know, not aggressive, but he's like. I don't know, just like a very different sort of mindset from everyone. Else. Everyone else is like pretty happy go lucky or like good, like mission focused. And he's just like kind of very dour and dramatic, which we love. Yeah, I loved right, right at the beginning when Nang is like, Zuko, we try to start these things off with a bit of more positive attitude. Because <laughs> even though he's become good, he still has a lot to learn about being good. He's decided to try to become good, but you know. There are it's things that you gotta be you gotta be happy or at least believe in what you're doing. Exactly. Yeah. I love that they talk about things in that frame of reference. That was good and bad. <laughs> well they're you know, they're twelve. Right. <laughs> I still have the same black and white morality. So <laughs> very right. relatable. I, I think that's what the show wants you to think in terms of is mm -hmm. very stark contrast. Then why else would they have red and blue dragons? When someone is bad, they're bad, and they can never be good. That's what that I learned from watching like... Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> you stopped it <laughs> like halfway through book one or something. I, yeah, I watched the first episode, and now I'm watching this episode. And yeah. I don't understand anything. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, they do their little journey up the hill. Um, I'm oh, uh, I do also love that they brought back in the end credits music for this. Like we kind of get like a, an in-universe explanation for like the music that plays at the end credits, which is cute. The Avatar extras were quick to point that out. That <laughs> the, the these are the same drums that. as the end theme song. <laughs> Whoa. Mm. I was like, yeah, I recognize that. I, yeah. I noticed which, that. Mm -hmm. That could be, it's, it's a good thing it's not like a uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion situation. Um, which, when that moved to Netflix, they ha can't use the ending theme song for it. So they just use, like, generic background music for the theme song. So good thing that they didn't use a Frank Sinatra number for the end yeah. credits on Avatar, or else they'd be screwed. I mean, that's too bad, because that end credits is one of the most iconic end credits of all time. That it is, but... That's too bad. Gonna, what are you going to do about it? I'm asking, what are you going to do about it? Um... <laughs> You know, very little, probably, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Here we take it. I'm excited to hear how that turns out. Um, I do think that this episode, like, I like it. 
and it's an important piece of the Zuko becoming good and like reframing fire, etc. But it is, it does just feel like it's not like in the. It just, I don't want to spoil anything, so maybe I'll I'll extrapolate more on this later, even though it's not a big deal. But I'll just wait. Okay. Okay, okay. Okay, sort of a little teaser. You get off on being withholding. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> um well, uh I feel like yeah, this is a just a fun little romp of an episode. We've talked before about the season being like the season of 80s pastiches and like this is very much an Indiana Jones sort of thing for a bit. Mm. Yeah, uh, when Zook okay, when the the pit falls, right? Um and it's the spike pit when they first get there and Aang like air bends himself over it and then Zuko <laughs> runs horizontally against a wall to get over it. I was like I would have like lowered myself into it and, like walked around all the spike. <laughs> <laughs> I told you before, Zuko is dramatic. That's his thing. So of he really is. He's gonna show off how nimble his little feet are. Yeah, I guess that trap only really works if it's a surprise, because it did seem like they could have just sort of walked around it if they <laughs> after they set it off. Right. I did have that thought though when they were stuck in the goo. Like this all was almost the end of the Avatar. Was starving to death in this like goo trap, <laughs> like. And how did they get out of the goo? Like, Nickelodeon was just like, cut away, cut away. Like, we don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The anteaters licked it off of them. But, like, they were in the pit. They were in the room with goo all over them. That entire room filled up. So, like, what? Also, Aang's staff got lost in the the goo, too. Is that the end of Aang's staff? I guess. No, like, I don't think so. Who knows? Maybe they have an industrial grade solvent and the mm. anteater licking was just a weird <laughs> sort of other thing that happened. Another Avatar Extra thing was that it said at one point probably, okay, well the thing is that the Avatar Extras on the wiki don't have time codes. They just have them one by one by one by one. Mm-hmm. It, but one one of the Avatar Extras is like, rumor has it that this is where Iroh learned how to breathe fire. It's like, who's telling that rumor like, <laughs> what do you mean you're you're starting it you, this is, you're, you're telling me it for the first time otherwise i wouldn't have any idea that gossipy fucking pop-up person typing away it has to be Sokka. it's very complimentary of his jokes and it's a gossip like this sounds like Sokka to me the rumor to this point is started by Iroh when he's like about to breathe fire for the first time and he says, do you want to know why they call me the Dragon of the West? Which I guess now I'm sort of like, they probably already know, but <laughs> they have the wrong impression of what of the reason is because he started the rumor that he killed the dragon and he didn't. Iroh's like dropping hints that he killed a dragon, but, <laughs> um, and, but then it's like the breathing fire happens after i don't know none of that really added up but i guess what they're saying is that this is where he learned how to breathe the fire (laughs) maybe it goes hand in hand i don't know you kill him and then you can breathe fire yeah why else was ira like there was a do you think he was like oh there were like dragons there oh but i killed them why can't he just be like i learned from the sun warriors you know Mm, also it's kind of just like what they were like we believe you when it's like (laughs) wouldn't everybody be claiming that they killed a dragon if nobody was fact checking. Like they, I just feel like they. I would be like, okay, can you bring us the head of the dragon you killed, <laughs> sir? Before we just anoint you with this, the final dragon title in the world. It's like I don't know. I feel like there should have been some fact checkers. Yeah, maybe at that point it was like very out of fashion to do that. Like it's very tacky to be called a dragon. So like you can just have it. We don't care. I like congrats. What do you want us to do about that? <laughs> We're all about fascism now. We don't care about dragon shit. And then I'm sort of like, why did he? I guess he went to to go save the dragons. He was like, I'm gonna go kill the last one. Okay, I did it. But I don't know. I just that's part of Iroh's history. I'm sort of like lost about. I'm like, did this happen? I guess this probably happened after his son died. After he came back from the war, but or like right. But then I'm like, didn't it just I'm confused about the timeline of events here. I believe he was called the Dragon of the West by the like when he was in Ba Sing Se already, I think. Oh. So he was already a good guy. 
<laughs> like laying siege to a capital city. Maybe. Guys, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it, but I have to. Right. I don't know. <laughs> we, it, it, maybe it's like a two steps forward, one step back kind of situation. You know, you save a dragon, but then you're like, also, I do want to kill people. Sort of take part in a genocide. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hmm. I guess this also could have been a good point for them to give us more information about Iroh's relationship to the spirit world, but they didn't. <laughs> No, he's a man of mystery. <laughs> kind of like Austin Powers in that way. He is international. <laughs> through all the nations. <laughs> he's got women in bossing, say, up in the North Pole. He's just all over the place. A ship in every port or whatever. <laughs> the waterbender who shagged me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. Me See, too. if they're going to do novelizations, they should focus on Iroh's history as an international man of mystery. <laughs> or yes. in the Paramount Plus, you know, spinoffs. Absolutely. We absolutely are going to get a, a, <laughs> a farcical James Bond send-up <laughs> starring Iroh. <laughs> I'm ready. I'll, I'll watch every episode twice, probably. Because, like, you know that the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is not going to be that, and when it should. And that they have the opportunity to do this with Uncle Iroh. They if they're do. listening, if the creators are listening, this is what the people want. <laughs> Just take our small sample size here for what it's worth. I think we represent everyone when we say that. Honestly, the the world would be better for it if the three of us were the only representatives of the <laughs> Avatar fan community. I 100% agree with that. Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. we've run the gamut pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely express everyone's opinions on this podcast. I and I've been so. on two episodes, so yeah. I made the rounds. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, do we have any other non-spoilery thoughts on the world's most homosexual field trip? Um, I was like, I saw something on TikTok the other day that was like, wow, they really haven't queer baited us in a while. And it's like, they don't do it like they used to. They don't. Why did I, I just saw a tweet in a similar vein that was like, they do, we need a little like misogyny as spice in movies because we don't get legally blondes anymore. <laughs> it's like I, oh, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. The queer I mean, mating adds a little zest. Yeah, I was. I, I mean, I t already tweeted out a picture of it, but there was some serious women love women fetishization going on in the chapter of Wheel of Time I was reading, and I was just sort of like, whoa! I like, <laughs> like I didn't remember that this was like a thing that was just sort of like in stuff, but I was just like, this is just like blatantly sexually charged women like kissing each other for no reason and it will never come up again and you know some young lesbian out there read that and that was like their entire life was that little moment like we i mean that. speaking as a elder gay man i it, was, it, it is Agent. currently it is currently my life and i can relate to that lesbian i was sort of like hell yeah but then i like <laughs> thought about it for a second i was like this sucks but not but in the back of my mind i'm like but it was cool <laughs> it's a bit of a, a girl boss slay moment <laughs> precisely um like i know this was written in the worst way possible but it was written <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh bring back subtext is all i'm saying yeah i feel like we've had our day in the sun and we we're ready to go back under the text yeah text is cute but subtext mm. i feel like more frequently it's better than stuff the shit they're writing these days <laughs> the malarkey uh, <laughs> before we talk about the rest of spoilers Kantai. What are you plugging up these days? Um, I'm pretty much nothing. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been to my, my Twitter. I just went off private, so it's public now. You can RT all you want. You can QRT um, at Kanti Kanti. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Um, I'm sure it'll be 
on the Instagram, tagged. Um, mm. I'm on Instagram too, but basically nothing. I'm just chilling out, you know, not producing much content these days. <laughs> She's hilarious. Follow her up. <laughs> oh, thanks. One of my friends from high school, I was like, hey, do you want to like hang out soon and catch up? And she was like, yeah. Also, you've been killing it on Twitter lately. I was like, <laughs> okay. And then she sort of just canceled on me. So. Uh but oh. if you're doing well from the in the friends from home market like that's huge true but like i said she just canceled on me so i must put out some stinkers lately <laughs> i associate hope, with the flop yeah i would just hope that none of my social interactions are affected by what i put out online but i know <laughs> that they are <laughs> i hope all of mine are directly affected by my online interactions <laughs> I do I, check like 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 um, RT counts before I leave my house if I'm gonna hang mm, out with someone. That's a good yeah. You don't want a bad ratio. I thought you were gonna say that you looked at people's likes like on their profile, and I was like, <laughs> I know that those are available, but it does feel like illegal to look at someone's. <laughs> yeah, that's um. You're really getting lost in the sauce if you're doing that. I've never done that, but that is how. One of my friends found out that another one of my friends was in QAnon, so <laughs> oh. maybe we should be doing that. Right. <laughs> I, for I forgot about this moment in time. If you see something, <laughs> say something in the likes. If Q see something, say something. <laughs> okay, QC. Okay. Uh, well, uh, you can find me at Reindeerx on Twitter. <laughs> Uh, please don't look at my likes. You will find out that I am actually Q himself. Um, but uh, yeah, and you can find us at Bitter Pod on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Sam Sanish on Instagram and Twitter. And if you look at my likes, you'll find out that I am Q from Star Trek. Mm. But uh, you can also follow my other podcast at Word on the Straits on Instagram and Twitter. Every Thursday, talking about straight culture. Uh, just released an episode about the new Lil Nas X song, Montero, Call Me By Your Name. Uh, and I was also on Friend of the Pod, Kirsten McKinnis' Bojack Horseman recap podcast this week. So fun. Uh, it's called Bojack Horse Pod, and I recapped season one, episode 11. Uh, it was a delight, and I hope to return soon. Put the pressure on. Well, she doesn't listen to this, so <laughs> not not really okay. in many ways. I guess let's start a hashtag hashtag Sam on um... get Sam on Bojack Horsepod. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and we will be tweeting that. Okay. What about uh, to launch into spoilers head first? Mm. Th th these, this is minor, but the next two episodes are like other Zuko field trip episodes, and both of them just feel so much great, more grandiose and important. Even though, like, I understand that in a way that this is like an important moment for like Zuko and Aang to like recontextualize firebending, but like Sokka's episode is like a first of all, Sokka's episode is two parts, which is like. I don't know. It's confusing to me that in the first place that it's like that because, like, it just feels like Katara and Aang would be the people you would give a two part episode <laughs> to. Uh, or, like, split it up and give Toph one of the episodes. Toph doesn't get one. But, like, right. this just feels like. Like, I just feel like the other two are about changing the relationship between Zuko and whoever it's with. And then this one is just sort of like. Aang already trusts him like completely for whatever reason, and there's like they're like like on a level already, even though like they probably shouldn't be. And then like as a viewer, like this revelation is almost meaningless to me compared to like Katara and Zuko going on their mission, and Sokka and Zuko saving Suki and all the like prisoners, and then like everything that happens at the end of that episode. So like this just felt like like just not it just felt like flat for some reason. I think to go along with that, I think Katara's episode is also kind of flat because they do hit us with that like really, really good two-part prison break episode. And it's like, where do we go from here? Clearly, like, it's hard to top this. I, the Escape from the Boiling Rock is so good. Um, but I also like this whole string of episodes because I do like that they all have to like um, change their minds on how they see Zuko. Right. Yeah, I think this is definitely the least of them for me, but it's still a really fun one. Like you said, like, 
the other two are definitely about like recontextualizing like this relationship between these two characters at least like for me that's like the main thrust of the southern raiders is like changing the way katara and zuko see, see each other um and then the boiling rock is kind of like Sokka and zuko have like a rapport already in a way even though it's a little like it's not like ang where he's like already implicitly trusting zuko but it's it's that one's more about like progressing the plot forward in a lot of ways like resetting the pieces and making sure characters are where they need to be before the finale um which i guess like justifies why it would need to be two parts um but this one yeah is much more about like world building in a lot of ways um and it's cute you know i guess that you if you want to like really think about it it's like recontextualizing ang's relationship with fire and zuko's in that way too um, yeah but the at the end of the day it's the third out of the if we're ranking the three field trip episodes it's it's a number three for me for sure yeah you called it a romp and i think that that is accurate like it was a good episode um but i don't hold it in my heart in the ways that i do the other two right um, and then i'm sort of thinking like well couldn't Toph have come along on the burning rock episode it just seems like Toph gets lost here like we've been talking about for a while but that's okay, I guess. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you're putting Toph, like, <laughs> Toph solves the Boiling Rock pretty instantaneously since it's all made of metal. <laughs> um, yeah. Could have uh, been a good idea to bring her along. Would have just seems... Oh, know, absolutely. If, they, if, babe, if they're looking for plot progression, put Toph on the Boiling Rock. Yeah. <laughs> or Katara. Like, they're going to a molten place surrounded by water. Seems like they could have brought some of their other dudes along with them, but it's fine. We're not talking about that episode. The other thing that struck for me in the spoilery context is like the origin of bending coming from the animals in this episode, even though we know the origin of humans bending from the Avatar One episodes in Korra, where like they are gifted the bending from the lion turtles, but like I like it I guess they're saying like the dragons are the original masters. Even like, and then it somehow gets lost through history that like they weren't like they were the first firebenders, but like it wasn't they like it's not it, you know they, it's, it's something gets lost. Right. My interpretation has always been the lion turtles like gave humans the ability to manipulate fire, and then the dragons are the ones who taught them like the motions and the actual like art of doing it. Same Close with like badger moles. Um, I that's what I assume they're going for. Um, how much of the, uh, that is a retcon? Who can say? I mean, I'm sure it's 100% a retcon, but <laughs> I also think it's realistic that, like, people wouldn't remember the precise story if it happened, like, several thousand years ago. Right. I uh, didn't know that all the animals were bent. Like, are they literally bending, or is it just, like, the badger animals, like, move rocks with their hands and... Um, sky bison can fly because yeah. of their tails. I don't know. I was like, that, it, that would make sense, I guess. It, yeah, it's kind of more like an inspired by than a like written and directed by <laughs> to me. <laughs> it doesn't seem like they're doing the same because like, I'm pretty sure dragons can only breathe fire out of their mouth, not like manipulate it. They're like... Right. I don't know. I'm not a bending scientist. I wasn't there. Um, not a yeah, woman the, in STEM <laughs> exactly <ending>. woman controlling <laughs> steam <laughs> um, yeah well speaking of Korra though uh, in Korra we do see Zuko has a dragon of his own um, and I can't remember if this is like the actual canonical explanation but I believe the that we're supposed to think that that egg that they find is like an actual egg and this dragon came out of it and the Zuko gets to ride it around, I guess. That's sort of Game I of Thrones. Yeah. Game of Thro <laughs> he goes into the fire, he comes out yes. with yeah. the dragon. And with a hunky uh, husband, too. I, I wish. wish. <laughs> well, I mean, to talk about Game of Thrones, she comes out of <laughs> the fire without a husband. But, right. Uh, he was already <laughs> dead at that point. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. point, good point. He was mourning but, a hunky husband. Like, I, well, I guess that's what I figured with the dragon, just kind of like, I don't, I guess I, I, what I was, I wish that these sun warriors came back 
like either if they were part of the finale or we saw something related to them more in Korra other than the dragon, just sort of like check in on them. Like what's their deal later <laughs> down the line? Like, are they revealing themselves? Like, it just feels like once the tyranny of the Fire Lord ends, they like Zuko should want to spread the truth of what firebending's origins are. Not like, I don't know. I just wish that the, I wish we had a, a second appearance. Maybe he's doing that, but like he's taking credit for it because he knows that the sunbenders are like never the sun warriors will never come out. So he's like, <laughs> I actually thought of this really cool thing. Um, what if we find it from our hearts instead of our hands? Our yeah, just, the that I had. just off the dome. <laughs> I just thought of this. That's he would do that. Um, no, yeah, that's just like another reason that I, it's it's upsetting that we didn't get a chorus season that was about the Fire Nation. Like that to me is like. The number one thing you want to know going into Korra is like, what the hell is this whole country doing now? Now that they can't be evil anymore, and we just don't get to see that, um, which is upsetting. Yeah. Um, Avatar creators, if that's something that you want to tackle when you make the spinoffs for Fair Paramount Plus, I think that's what the fans want. I, we just we, we just are the that. fans, so, so we declare yes. it. Yeah, the three of us. It's law. It is. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I feel like, like we said before, spoilers are hard to come by now that we're making our way to the end. We have what? One, two, three, like, I don't know, six, seven episodes left, something like that. We're on 13, right? Trapped so eight. Of it anyway, but even fewer episodes of this podcast. I know. Wow. <laughs> We're we're gonna have to do, have, we're gonna have to find a new source of firebending, Sam. Once we finish this, it's for, called getting revenge on M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, we're <laughs> gonna somebody. we're gonna burn him up. Good. <laughs> Wait, I put out the for, call for questions, and I'm just gonna I forgot to look if there actually were because frequently lately there are not. Uh, but I'm just going to double check and then if I'm remembering the number we had last week, there isn't a new one and I was correct. Yes, there's still not a new thing in our inbox, but that's okay and I'm glad that I said it out loud as I did it. People just don't have any questions. They're like, I get it. We're wrapping up. Everything's being answered. This was an airtight episode. And if it wasn't the little pop-up notes on Wikipedia, the Avatar Wiki answered those questions. They did. They're like, was this a peak Sokka comedy moment? It was. It was. Canonically, <laughs> this is a peak Sokka comedy moment. Word of God said it, so yeah. it must be true. Exactly. Well, uh, are those our concluding thoughts? Conte, are you... What are your thoughts on like the end of Avatar? Like, Are you excited to get to the end, too? Yeah. You know, okay, so this is what always gets me about the ending of a TV show. Like, I feel, it's hard to put into words, but I feel like when something is ending and you know it's ending, like, it's weird to me that they have so many, like, like one-off episodes that, like, don't involve the whole gang, you know? Like, we're going to spend an episode focusing on Sokka and Zuko. And, like, they're good episodes, but it's weird that they're not, like, we're ramping up to the end, like, we need to like give the fans what they want sort of and like get the most out of all of these characters true like i well like there's ember island players but that's different like there's not an episode where the new group is having an episode together because like even in the finale they split up pretty immediately so it's sort of just like i don't know i'd wish that there was more of this group dynamic like we like you just said yeah yeah that's a shame that they didn't get that much time to do i don't know it's like how do you restructure the season i feel like you just like t extract a few episodes from early on i guess i could um, do it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i like i don't know i've talked about this before i don't want to sh like shit on this season too much because i do really enjoy this season a lot but it i do there are issues i have with it and that's one of them is that it's it is very much like a sprint to the end here and we lose a lot in that but um there's still fun episodes, like we said. It's not yeah. bad TV. Still very much enjoyed watching it, but we obviously have notes. We do. <laughs> Again, so Avatar creators? We have, we're here to critique. I mean, they wouldn't have invited us to do so if they didn't want to hear it. <laughs> yeah. 
This is the first podcast on the Paramount Plus Podcast Network. Uh, <laughs> we're feeling that here today. They had this planned out a year ago, and are you know we're here to bring in the new arrows of guitar fans. Exactly. Yeah, um, I'm not looking forward to when we have to exit due to creative differences because, you know, MCU-like style, like lore takes over our creative vision. That's going to suck when that happens. But Yeah, but then you can go to a new streaming service like um, yeah. Discovery Plus. I don't... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, if we did like an Avatar show that's like sort of, you know, at a, on a reality bent where we sort of like... It's sort of a what's it called mockumentary, <laughs> but but on an HGTV show, and you know just firing off on all cylinders of new ideas for Avatar content at every single time we get on this podcast. <laughs> That's why they pay us the big bucks. This is not a labor of love; it is pure labor. I'm getting compensated a lot for <laughs> guesting for this hour our you guesting are. our guesting booking fee budget is the highest of all of our budgets <laughs> yeah that's why you're getting in talent like me you know exactly. who is good on twitter mm -hmm. <laughs> canonically good on twitter okay <laughs> word of god said it. <laughs> uh well uh thank you Conte, so much for joining us once more. Do you want to remind the people where to find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kante Conte, um, on Venmo at Kante Conte. <laughs> and thanks for having me. This podcast is always a fun blast. You two are hilarious. Oh, <laughs> thanks. And I mean it just because I said it in a joking voice doesn't mean it's not true. <laughs> that is accurate like i i feel like i don't know if i have this problem anymore but i feel like frequently i would be told that people thought what i said was sarcastic just because i said it in a flat tone of voice but it was almost always genuine <laughs> uh, yeah i i don't know i've never told a lie or been sarcastic in my life so don't know what that's like I'm at Sam Stanish on Instagram and Twitter, <laughs> and you can follow my other podcast, That Word on the Street, your 8S on Instagram and Twitter. Again, Bojack Horse Pod, Was It a Delight? I am a fan first uh, guest of the pod, a second. So I love the show, uh, and you should listen to it. Thanks. Uh, you can find me at Rain Derricks on uh, Twitter, and you can find us at Bitterger's Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Try to send us a review. Try to send us stuff on the mailbox uh, if you so choose. Love ya. <laughs> yeah, we love you, fans. <laughs> uh, bye. Bye.